This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello and welcome to the 442 Podcast. I'm James Brown, Editor-in-Chief of the magazine. Today I'm joined by a man who's been at the forefront of sports broadcasting for many years. You won't know him because he's on the wrong, or the, maybe the right side of the camera, but he's worked on every European Championship and World Cup since 1996. And he now runs Goalhanger Films, which is Gary Lineker's TV and podcast production company. He's supported Burnley, so we're going to talk to him about that, since the 1970s. And he drags three sons from Battersea in London to Turf Moor every other weekend. And that's, is that like a treat? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is, that's Tony Pasta. Hello, Tony. Welcome. Uh, thanks for joining us. And alongside him and I today is the editor of the 442 front section, the Mixer, which is our product section, Tottenham fan, Hunter Godson. Hello, everyone. Are you, uh, this is your second appearance on podcast after yeah. the disappointing <laughs> trip to Madrid. Yeah. Have you got over that now? Uh, yeah, that's sort of sunk in. That's uh, that's happened. I've started to see it as a a learning experience. How do you f- do? You feel disappointed about what happened there? Uh, I have to be honest. I still say it's such a blur because of the trip down and the fact we were in a motorhome and we didn't. Well, to be honest, uh, more about yeah. the football. The foot. <laughs> that's what I mean, though. The football was. Uh, it took fifty hours to get there. So then, like by yeah, the time the football happened, the reason I ask is last yeah. this week the. Uh, the fixtures came out. Yeah. Uh, and I feel a bit like, I feel like the football club for me is the wrong man, is the man in the situation. They've done something really bad and let you down and disappoint in you, i.e. not beat Derby in my case <laughs> in the semi-finals of the, uh, when we beat them three other games. So I just think, and then you pop up three we- weeks later like nothing's wrong. Oh, come and see <laughs> us play again. We're starting with Bristol City. 
I genuinely, I, still, I don't want to hear from them. Mm. That's what I feel like. I feel like they've got no... It's like, they should still be apologising. Do, do you feel like that was supposed to be, or are you just happy to be in a relationship? I think, yeah, I think just happy to be in a relationship if the relationship is getting to the Champions League final, to be honest with you. Okay, so it was an achievement. It was an achievement, and now uh, hopefully we'll push on from that. And it was unexpected. Weekend. Yeah, really, that, absolutely. Okay, but let, let's start with this week's football stories. Um, if, we, if you're wondering why we're not talking about Linus's game last night, it's because we're recording this on Wednesday, only because I'm going on holiday. Uh, that's the, so by the time you're listening to this, we'll probably hopefully beat a Norway. I don't know. Do you think, do you think we're going to beat Norway? Uh, anyway, it's it's going to be a tough game. Yeah, to yeah. This, no, no. <laughs> I think so, yes. The beauty of time travel. Um, so either well done or commiserations, England. And uh, Now, Rafa Benitez, Tony, has left Newcastle this week. Um, <clears throat> where do you think he's going to go and do you think he was right to leave? I've no idea where he's going to go. Um, I don't know whether he's right to leave either. Uh, the club's, you know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, no. if you if you, if you want some, no, there's plenty of boys th- in your office probably give you a better answer than me. <laughs> but um, my view, listen, I went to see Newcastle play Burnley this season. I had a miserable evening out. Uh, you couldn't see any of the football from the back of the stand. And whether or not Rafa Benitez uh, stayed or didn't stay was of no interest to me at that point. However, I have been up and filmed with him. I really like him. He's a very engaging character. He's quite political. He constantly felt like, like in an interview, he'd say uh, certain things to you. And then as soon as the microphone was off, you got on the most fascinating conversation you're ever going to get. Um, there's a few like that, but he was definitely one of them. What sort of political? Do you mean football club I mean, politics? Yeah, I mean, small or... P politics. I, I interviewed him. Uh, I interviewed him. I filmed an interview with him at Liverpool. I filmed an interview with him at Newcastle. On both occasions, he was uh, not willing to do too much on the record but was quite willing to chat very openly off off the record, as it were, immediately that the, uh, the microphone was turned off. And on each occasion, you know, you were left feeling pretty sympathetic for his predicament and the situation he described. But nevertheless, he was quite a, you know, he was, he was an interesting bloke to be around. He was clearly tactically brilliant. The other time we went to Newcastle last year, uh, we do a lot of filming for NBC, the big American broadcaster. We do all their pre-season promotions. And we arranged to go around the 10 biggest clubs I'm doing the old uh, yeah. quotes in the air mm. and Newcastle somehow fell into that and um, uh, and uh, we went to Newcastle to film with all their players and lo and behold the players refused to be filmed for American TV wow. they were on strike that day over a dispute over um, their yeah, bonuses yeah. they were the only club in the Premier League that refused to take part we got in touch with every club in the Premier League more or less to see if they wanted to do extra stuff for um, yeah. for NBC and to expand their, their profile in the US they were the only club not to reply I mean, you know, this 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 is yeah. utterly chaotic. Mm. So I don't blame Rafa Benitez. And if he can get another gig somewhere, good on him. What you should bear in mind is his family still live in the Wirral. He loves the UK. Um, he will not, I don't think, be desperately keen to, you know, disappear to China or to the Turkish League or something. I mm-hmm. think, you know, he'd love a job here. But w- whether the right thing for him is around, I don't know. Hunter. Yeah. Where, where do you think he's going to go? What are your thoughts? The on open leaving? job that, that seems to be floating around, the Spain job, it might be a bit early for him to go into international managing. Um, I th- I think... It would suit him time-wise, though, wouldn't it? Time-wise, it would suit him. But, uh, yeah, like Tony said, there's not, there's not an abundance of jobs that he'd be really interested in. And he clearly loved Newcastle. He It was a manager that the fans had connected with. And uh, it's just a massive shame. I mean, we we we've heard Newcastle fans this this week, you know, from Alan Shearer and Ant and Deck all the way down to the our, art director, our art director, <laughs> yeah, oh, bemoan that this is an absolute 
this is a shambles. And they've the, uh, what surprised me, Hunter, is that that they're surprised because when you're outside of a situation, you don't really have an, an opinion one way or the other. Uh, uh, you know, they're, they're not a rival team or whatever. Mm. Y- you can see things with a little more clarity. I, I think there's been two times in the last two years, maybe eighteen months, when if he wasn't held to this, you've got to pay a leave clause in his contract. He would have gone, and that he's done a very good job there. Um, they'll find out what how good a job he's done this year when if they don't spend any money on players and suddenly they're like right down the bottom mm. and uh, you know somebody comes in with a decent offer for ourselves and and uh, you know the I think that I just think I just figured he was always going as soon as that contract ended and and that actually everything apart from the ownership of that club fits what he wants. It's driving distance to his home, tremendous passionate support. Um, you know, big ground. I think when you go to Newcastle, it's it's one of those football clubs where it really is an event and an occasion. Mm. Uh, if you go away with your own teams there, and you know, I think you know, your club might need a manager in the next year. I think. I, I, I don't I think that's. You know, I think in a year's time, we would there might be a possibility that Pochettino won't be at Spurs. Uh, He's obviously not going to Liverpool. I cheekily suggested we run the story saying that Manchester United go for him. <laughs> obviously, he's not going to go to Manchester United, but he did go to Chelsea. Um, you know, after Chelsea had had that intense sort yeah. of mini period of rivalry with Liverpool around Cups. He had a miserable time there. I, I think you can definitely rule Chelsea out as a, as a no, but I just mean that actually he went to, he went to look Chelsea when they were big rivals with Liverpool, mm. but they're not historic rivals, I think, like Manchester United are. Well, I take him in a heartbeat at Spurs. I think he's fantastic. Uh, fant- if Pochettino, if Pochettino was ever was to leave, yeah, for whatever reason, I take him in a heartbeat. Yeah, definitely. I saw Pochettino recently. Um, yeah. We filmed with him. Gary Lineker did an interview with him for uh, the BBC, and we produced it. Um, he was uh, he was really interesting guy. He, I mean, and very likable, very warm, very engaging. I accidentally hugged him at the end, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But the, but the extraordinary you thing, hugged him. I accidentally hugged him. Yeah, it's a bizarre situation. Um, but anyway, the but what happened was um, <laughs> well, the interesting thing about him was that he said this is the first season, this one coming mm. since he's been there, with no other distractions. There's been no building of a training ground. No moving to Wembley, no building of a stadium, no moving back to a stadium. He said, this is the first year we all get to concentrate on the pitch, on the what's happening to the team on the pitch. So this, I think, is the big year for him. This either works this year or, or, or I think you will lose him. So the, the reason I accidentally hugged him was because... He, uh, he, we spent quite a bit of time with him. At the end, I had a long chat. I complimented him on his uh, the improvement in his English since the time I'd seen him before. We ended up having quite a, um, a chat, and then uh, and then he went to give me the footballer's handshake. You know, so like you normally, you, I traditionally shake hands traditionally, okay. and he comes with the old, you know, the hand up and the thumb raise and everything. Now like I an, only like know an arm wrestle. The arm wrestle hold, yeah. yeah. So I only know one other person who regularly does that to me, and it's um, it's a lad I, I train with. Um, and uh, and he always does that at the end of our training session. He always pulls me in for a for an automatic <laughs> chest pump hug grip. So he, so so when Maurizio comes at me with the with the arm wrestle grip, I just naturally assumed that meant there'd be a big hug on the back of it, <laughs> and went straight in. And he and then he pulled back from it and gave me a slightly shocked look, and then a big grin, and, and that was the end of it. But so I've accidentally hugged Maurizio Have Pochettino. You in touch? <laughs> <laughs> Did you follow it up? He, he was charming. I really liked him, but um, yeah, bit yeah. bit awkward. Mm. Mm. Okay, let's move on to your club. Uh, I like the fact you support Burnley. Uh, it gives us an opportunity to talk in depth with with, with uh, Premier League about a Premier League club, but 
normally get overlooked. I mean, you, how long have you been back in the Premier League now? So this season will be our fourth on the bounce. And you don't get mentioned, do no, you? No, and we had one year down the year before, and we had one year up the year before. So five of six years in the Premier League. Yeah. Deitch in charge for all that period. I think I'm right in saying we're the only club in the last 10 or so years to be relegated and not sack their manager. We showed him a lot of loyalty at the time, and he and he's, showed us, he's shown us a lot of loyalty since. So... Um, yeah, it's been an incredible period. I mean, you know, I started support. I'm, I was born in 1970. I, I kind of missed the great years. My dad saw of the 60s. I saw the I saw the tail end of the kind of. I never saw us play in the in the top flight in my in my childhood. I saw us come all the way down to the fourth division. By the time I was at university, we were in the bottom flight. Saw us survive on the last day of the season in 1987. Nearly get relegated to non-league, and now all the way back up, and we've become you know. As we regularly rely all of, of our Lancastrian friends, you know we are the top club in Lancashire and have been for five or six years. Do you think if if uh, Sean Dyche left, that you'd maintain that? It's a very good question that we don't know the answer to, and I certainly don't want to try it out anytime soon. You know, he, you know, in Dyche we trust is the Do slogan. Do you ever speak to him? I've filmed with him a few times, yeah. You know. What's your feeling? Is that he's, is he in for the long run like David Moyes? Or well, is that a cautionary tale that it's hard to leave somewhere when you've been there that long? I mean, he's already in for the long run. There's only, uh, there's only Eddie Howe been there longer in the Premier League, and that by two weeks. And ironically, his it, only other club was Burnley. Well, exactly. I mean, Eddie Howe left Burnley, Yeah. Um, uh, chose to leave. You know, we don't really sack anybody. I no. think the only manager we've sacked in the last decade is Brian Laws, who was out of his depth after we yeah. came down from the Premier League. Um, obviously, we had the uh, the Antichrist himself left, Owen Coyle, back in <laughs> 2010. You know, a man I'll never forgive. And um, it's yeah. funny we had some a Bolton fan sitting in the exact same seat as you, saying very week, similar things, saying exactly the same yeah. thing. Yeah. I, I, listen, I'm not religious, but it actually makes me think there may be a God because you know what's happened to his career since he left us. You know, you'd have to assume that maybe there is somebody up there, and he and he and he quietly wears claret and blue because I think he's definitely fallen apart since leaving us. And, um, uh, you know, and, and the way that he left is, is, is a way that we'll, we'll never forgive. Okay. Now, t- just tell us about why the club are, are doing well. Massive stability. I mean, you know, it's, you know, people Who talk about Burnley. Burnley is owned by, by uh, a, a, a group of local people. So all the directors of Burnley Football Club were born in Burnley General Hospital. That's quite a claim, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, so obviously down the road, the, the, they've got the Venkies, there's the chaos at Bolton. Preston's pretty stable too and just been a bit unfortunate maybe. It could have been them. Um, Blackpool, dreadful under the Oystons. You know, we are the lucky ones. And, you know, we, you slightly deserve your luck. You create your own luck to a degree. You know, we don't sack managers. We, we have a, you know, a way of going about things. The, the club, the fans are pretty patient. You know, mm-hmm. we had 12 points on Boxing Day this year. 12 points. Yeah. We got beat 5-1 at home by Everton. There was no call for sackings. Yeah, it, was a, it was a bad start to the year. Wasn't Unbelievable. It? Bear in mind, we'd played six games before anybody else started. Yeah, because of the Europa we, League. We, l- listen to this. The Europa League, right? I understood the Europa League qualifiers meant that you played a mountaintop, right? Or a small village in Luxembourg. Yeah. That, that's my understanding of the Europa League qualifiers. Okay. We got Aberdeen first up, who yeah. played 32 seasons in Europe, yeah, right? Yeah. We, we snuck past them. Mm-hmm. We then went away to Istanbul to play the team that had finished in the Turkish league and it would go on to win the league by 12 points. Yep. Yep. We then 
right, managed to sneak past them in extra time. We then draw Olympiakos, who'd beaten Man United in the Champions League in the previous... I mean, what ca- to qualify so for the Europa League? One, yeah, I know yeah. one year I did, I did some work with the Europa League and we worked out that to get to the final, you had to win or you had to play 23 games. <laughs> so that meant if you put it on top of your normal Premier League status, I mean, you... Plus the plus the cup games, you were seventy games in exactly, and yeah. the um, so really, would you prefer not to have been in that? Oh no, absolutely not! It was wonderful, and I'd never swap it. I would have accepted being relegated if we could have got into oh, really? the group stage. We should have played AC Milan. Yeah, you know, I mean, okay. yeah, I went to Olympiacos away. I went to Athens. Let me just say that again, right? I went to, I went to watch Burnley play in <laughs> Athens. Right? I, I went to the Parthenon in the morning. Yeah. And saw Chris Wood score against Olympiacos. <laughs> I mean, the art of defending, Burnley have mastered it. And something that Sean Dyche went back to after Christmas, he reverted back to it, sitting in deeper and getting those balls forward to Barnes and Wood early, playing off those. Uh, I, I The most frustrating game of Spurs' season, mm-hmm. we managed to break through, but it got to the 92nd minute. And we did, I don't think we had a, a shot on target. And Burnley had just defended... Incredibly, Spurs couldn't break through them, couldn't get through the ranks. They sat deep. They've got good centre backs. Ben Mee was having a particularly good game. I, I mean, he had a quite a good season, from what I can understand. Brilliant player. Um, but yeah, like you said, those two up top. That's a really, that's a really good partnership. There's a lot of stuff said. We went, to, we went to Stamford Bridge this season and drew two two deservedly. You know, that, yeah, that takes a bit of doing. You can't just smash it up to two front men. We've got a kid on the wing called Dwight McNeil. He's only 19 Ooh, yeah. years old. We really, really rate him. Wow. He got it's, he got his chance, interestingly, because we were so bad <laughs> by Christmas that yeah. they had to try something, and it was a revelation. Terrific player. I mean, yeah, he, was, he looks great. You know, uh, one of the French football magazines has just named him in the top 50 young players in Europe, and I think that's that's great. And the beauty of that is he was let go by the Man United youth system at 14. Ben Mee came out of the Man City youth system. Yep. Now, Spurs are actually looking at making a couple of acquisitions this week. Yeah. One of them good, Tangoy Ndombele. Tangoy Ndombele. Yeah. Yeah. One of them bad, Jack Clark. <laughs> you, I mean, you'll <laughs> have to. T- I've only heard that Jack Clark's a, a young English wonder kid, so you'll have to tell me why. Well, why tell he's us not. about that. Uh, well, let's talk about the first one. Ndombele. Yeah. A young Frenchman from uh, Lyon, plays central midfield. Sort of a like for like replacement in ways of Moussa Dembele, which we never replaced. Yeah. Sold him for 12 million. And just brought in nobody. Uh, we people forget Dembele was playing in the Champions League for us at the beginning of last year. Yeah, I mean, and we just never replaced him. Uh, so this is a this is a brilliant signing from what I've seen. A really young, dynamic central midfielder who likes to drive forward with the ball is has a good passing range at the moment, but can improve. Uh, he seems to be, from what what we can read in the papers, he seems to be interested in what Spurs are trying to do. Um, yeah, I'm excited for that one. That was one that a couple of years ago I wrote a piece saying that I thought we should bring him in. Oh, that's uh, good. Well, with Jack Clark, is it's it's um, it's, I would say even if he was at his best, he's a long way from playing for Spurs, right. who are a Champions League level team, Champions League finalists. Yeah, and you just kind of wonder. Well, do you think? I mean, do you, can you see a kid who's coming in who's probably played about twelve times in the Championship? Uh, where where does he go at Spurs? I mean, I'd be lying if I said I saw a place for him in the in the starting eleven. Um, but from what I've read, Spurs are interested in 
getting him in with the first team as early as possible and and he will be part of the first team and so uh, you know again I'd be lying if I said that I could can see what these scouts see in these young players but clearly they've seen something in Jack Clark. He he could be a massive star right no doubt about if he could recapture that form probably playing with better players yeah with, but with uh, I was going to say better coaches, but actually maybe not. Uh, the, the but you know, I, yeah. I think with a better setup, if if he could, if he could do what he did last year, look, the key thing was he looked fearless. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, "What the." F- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash-switch. Forty-five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The number one selling product of its kind with over twenty years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic Autobotulinum Toxin A is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eye brow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Okay, let's just move very quickly along to your line of work, Tony. Tell us about you. You do the. You do the. Uh, there are other podcasts available, really? and now you do the Danny Baker, Gary Lineker podcast, which we has also... been enormously popular. Yeah, it's taken a summer break. Was that enforced because of Danny's? Uh, no, but the timing was, The timing was convenient. Let's yeah. say. Um, you know, we did our last podcast uh, behind closed doors, Lineker and Baker. We did it in the last week of the Premier League season. We yeah. had planned to take the summer off. Yes, we took a. We took. We're very, very modern thinking now. We took a winter break as well. <laughs> okay. And um, uh, and the plan is to bring it back in mid-August for the new season. So, so you know, obviously, what happened with uh, with 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 Danny on on social media was, you know. Uh, uh, unfortunate a, yeah. and uh, and certainly didn't help but um you know the plan is to bring it back and as you say it is popular and um uh you know and a lot of fun to do we've got a couple of other podcasts as well we do a cricket one don't know whether you've come across that with with uh Stephen fry and Stuart broad which is okay. fun yeah. and we do a crazy second world war podcast called we have ways of making you talk <laughs> which we do with al murray as in the pub landlord okay, yeah, yeah. and uh, james holland who's probably the eminent preeminent nice. second world war historian it's okay. a, a real laugh coming back to football okay you've worked with all the great pundits and uh, presenters a few, yeah who who have been the best pundits yeah um well i would say in terms of holding people's attention I would say Roy Keane would be the number one. I okay. mean, in terms of you go into the old Trafford 
press office post-Champions League and you've got a hundred cynical journalists tapping away on deadline and then on the screen uh, the post-match analysis comes up and Roy Keane speaks and it goes silent and everybody listens and watches, he's number one. And were you instrumental in hiring Roy? For no, I, I wasn't instrumental I in hiring him, but I was instrumental in producing him. I, be- I became his kind of... Well, I, I was his producer. I looked after him. Yeah. We became, you know, we became friends. Uh, you know, I've been out on the clatter in Dublin with Roy, me drinking him yeah. not, of course. Okay. Um, he's come to Turf Moor to see Burnley Blackburn with a cap pulled down low over his eyes. But so he loved it. Sat in with the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Said, what were a great you... way of watching football this is. Yes. <laughs> Did, and you were involved in Keen Vieira. I produced Keen Vieira, which um, and tell us about which how the high points of my television was career. Great. Was it your idea? It was my idea, and I'll and tell you how it came about. about. That conversation, yeah. So the... it came about this way. It was 2010. I was in Johannesburg, and we were producing the World Cup. I was producing the World Cup for ITV, and uh, Patrick Vieira was our pundit. And we used to have to get a cab back late at night from the studio, which was very near to the stadium in a, in a not particularly pleasant part of Johannesburg, back to where our, where we were staying. And so I shared a cab home one night with Patrick, who was brilliant company, yeah, really engaging lad, and I really, really get on well with him, really like him. Anyway, he, um, I said to him, come on, I'm going to have to ask you, do you hate Roy Keane? And he said, what? I don't hate Roy Keane. I love Roy Keane. Love playing against him. They're my favourite games ever. Our rivalry is my favourite thing. You know, he was completely uh, ebullient about what effect Roy had had on him, even for despite everything, despite the tunnel, despite yeah, yeah. everything that had happened. I said, I'm amazed. He said, no, no, no. He said he made me the be- I played best against him, you know. And, yeah. and, uh, and so, so we then had the idea for the 2012 European Championships, in, in, which we were going to host from Warsaw. Yes. Uh, which we did host from Warsaw. And we hired both of them. Okay. We put them both together and I had no idea how this was going to go, you know. So decided it was a good idea. If that we... was early days for Roy on screen, uh, on, on telly. It? He'd done a couple yeah. of Champions League games and was just getting into it, yeah. And um, and we'd already had Patrick at 2010 and he'd been excellent. So we thought, well, this would be a, this would be brilliant if we can get Roy and Patrick together on screen. So anyway, so we, we get to Warsaw and as, as the, you go out for a dinner and you get everybody yeah, together yeah. and, and I, I decided to take Roy and Patrick for a walk round the old town of Warsaw. Sounds lovely. It was well, <laughs> so we're walking around the old town of Warsaw, and we and it's hot day. And Roy Keane said to Patrick Vieira, "Can I get you an ice cream?" And Patrick said, "That'd be lovely." And Roy said, "What flavour would you like?" And I thought, "This is going to be brilliant." I'm you sure know. I've had this dream before. This is going to be brilliant. <laughs> this is why I wanted you to come on because the insiders have the stories. Yeah. So, 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 so they got on really, really well. Um, and I'm very actually, as for us, on a serious note, for, no, uh, note for a moment, something happened on the first show that was really, really, I don't, not surprising. That's the wrong word, but came out of the blue. There'd been a lot of talk about racism in Ukraine and Poland ahead of that European yes, Championships, yeah, you may remember. Yeah. And obviously, Patrick, a very articulate bloke, yeah. on our first show, the natural thing to do is to ask him what he thought. Yep. Um, he'd been in the city a couple of days. You know, what were his perceptions? And he, um, he, said, he spoke, Adrian Charles was the presenter, asked him the question. Before we get onto the football, Patrick must ask you this. And he, and he spoke very eloquently and articulately about it and said... Basically, nobody'd been rude to him, of course, but he yeah. had been conscious of being stared at walking yeah. around yeah. the city, you know, um, and uh, and it had been a bit, you know, unnerving. Mm-hmm. 
So this was all planned that we were going to have this conversation. The conversation was going to be with Patrick Vieira, after which we'd get onto the football. Roy sat next to Patrick, turned to him and said, can I just say, to judge a man by the colour of his skin in this day and age is disgraceful. We all went, blimey. You know, Roy, Roy didn't have to do it. It had been dealt with. But he just wanted to show a mark of solidarity with yeah. Patrick on that first show. And, 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 uh, and although nothing was said, you could tell Patrick massively appreciated it. And so what, what point, because I should just say, Keen Vieira, uh, I saw that before I'd met you but properly, but it was a brilliant documentary. Uh, I loved it, the, the, the format of it, the, the way they talked about the, the other footballers around the time, that the other players they, they rated. And at what point did you, uh, by the way, if you've never seen it, find it. It's probably on YouTube. It's on our it? YouTube channel, but, on Goldhanger's um, YouTube channel. Keen Vieira. But at what point did you say, guys, why, why don't we do a show together where you talk about your rivalry? Well, I didn't have the idea until after the, after the Euros, so I couldn't ask him together. So I asked him separately. Patrick agreed... In two minutes. <laughs> two minutes. Yeah, brilliant. Definitely love to. Absolutely. Okay. Roy Keane took two years. Of asking? Yeah. Of, of thinking about it. And by the way, you know, at this point, we were getting on really well. Um, and, uh, you know, it wasn't that he was... He, he just wasn't sure whether it was the right... He, in the end, we had lunch uh, in London. And he said to me, all right, here's the deal. I'll do it. As long as I'm allowed to say I hated Arsenal and every single player he played for them. I said, if you do that, Roy, we'll have an absolutely brilliant documentary. Yeah. That's Please do, we, do I don't that. want, he yeah. said, I'm not doing one of these cozy, <laughs> warm, we all, you know. He said, if yeah. I can say I hated them, I'll do it. I said, we wouldn't want you to do anything else. Yeah, perfect. And, and, he, and he absolutely did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, you know, Patrick was brilliant in that, do in that doc, but Roy Keane was electric. Mm. Who's who's been the um, what's what's gone wrong? Were you involved in the World Cup in Brazil when they were seemed to be? Was that your channel when they were sitting on the almost on the, on beach. the beach? Yeah, I'd left by then. I left in 2013, so I'm not abrogating responsibility here. But, okay. uh, but uh, uh, I'd left. But I did go out and do things work go as a wrong ever? Do oh. things go wrong? Yes, <laughs> on those live. Uh, I, I was the I was the producer the, the, on the night when in Warsaw when England played Poland in a qualifier and we didn't see a ball kicked in two and a half hours and we'd had one piece of videotape prepared. The rain came down an yeah, hour before kickoff. It. The ground was flooded. I rang London. I said this game is not happening, yeah. and they said, "Has it been officially called off?" I said, "No." They said, "Well, we're going to come to you live and just fill until we know." And the, and the referee came on for a pitch inspection and said, we're going to have another look in an hour. Yeah. And we were on air live, Gareth Southgate, Roy Keane, Lee Dixon, Adrian Childs, and we'd prepared, we were supposed to have 10 minutes build up, one piece of videotape. And we did two and a half hours with nothing. So just, when you ask I've me, just, has anything chatting. gone wrong? That, that sounds all right. That's just people will watch footballers talking. Oh, I ended up well, getting it, quite drunk during that one, I remember. Well, the great irony, of course, is that that was the highest watched football programme on ITV that year. Because people were waiting to see what happened. And it was fascinating. Or it was like a car chat. crash yeah, unfolding. It was, yeah. Yeah. Adrian Charles had a brilliant night. I mean, at one point he said to Gabriel Clark, the brilliant, brilliant Gabriel Clark, the great reporter on yeah. football who makes some of the best docs in the country, the best docs in the country. Uh, he said to Gabriel Clark, who was down in the tunnel, we're going to hand down to Gabriel Clark now. Gabriel, ask your questions as slowly as you can. <laughs> <laughs> It was sensational, you know, and then we stayed overnight and did the show the next night. But Has it was anyone brilliant. ever showed up to be an analyst or a host 
incapable of performing. Yes, but before that, I've got to just tell you one line. I've just remembered it came out that night that I still love. Adrian Charles had literally asked everything. Okay. And he turned to Roy Keane and he said, when does heavy rain become a downpour? He said to Roy <laughs> Keane, when does heavy rain become a downpour? He had nowhere else to go. Yeah. And Roy just looked at him and said, are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, no, listen, we've had some bad pundits. So, you know, uh, my, I, I'm personally responsible for the worst one. I hired Edgar Davids uh, oh, yeah. on the grounds that all Dutch footballers are going to be brilliantly insightful, articulate talkers, uh, you know, in the kind of rude hollet yeah. mode, you know, sexy football, changed the way you think about the game. Uh, Edgar Davids was described to me as the anti-pundit. He, you know, <laughs> he, he, I've never encountered a man less in love with the game or, in, you know, who couldn't, he couldn't abide other footballers. Okay. We sat him in a studio and um, asked him to comment on the World Cup. Uh, so that was a nightmare. Uh, Teddy Sheringham once famously, uh, not famously because nobody knows this, but um, famously amongst our circles, uh, declined to turn up at Old Trafford for a Champions League game because he'd gone deep into a poker tournament and could no longer make Amazing. it. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, fair yeah. play. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know, it, it, probably it, a, the money he was going to make was bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah, we've had a few. We've Has had a anyone few just that... not shown up and not announced it or been late? No, I tell you, we... Um... Oh, late? Blimey. Because uh, yeah, I mean, this, this is late. fascinating because well, we all watch football on television. I sat outside. we never really find out about how it, how it happens. I sat outside, and there's a bit of a government health warning on this one if you're listening to it with your children, but I sat outside... Uh, an apartment once with a fo- ex-footballer. Uh, we were all picking him up in a in a minivan, you know. Who? I'm not telling you. Who did he play for? I'm not telling That's you. That's all right. I mean, There's about eight of us in a minivan waiting <laughs> okay. to go to the studio and we had to wait outside until he had finished his night's entertainment. Oh, bloody So we hell. sat outside and waited and he turned up without an apology. So yeah, you know, there's there's, there's been one or two of those moments. Excellent. That's what keeps it exciting, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Okay, time now to find out what are the most popular stories on the 442 website. Here's Tanya Snugs with a rundown of the top five. Thanks, James. At five, we ask why there are so many empty seats at the Women's World Cup. At four, who are the 50 most valuable players in the world and can you name them? We look at which Premier League teams have the easiest start to the season at number three, whilst at two is the players who Premier League clubs will be watching at the African Cup of Nations. And at number one, we reveal the five players who should definitely leave their clubs this summer. Thank you, Tanya. Okay, just uh, you mentioned Gareth Southgate earlier uh, on that infamous night when you couldn't get any football shown. Did you expect him to become a respected England manager? Because that's what he is. I'm not. I'm not going to say successful yet, and yet he's taken us as far as as any other England manager apart from Ralph Ramsey. So. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, well, obviously Bobby Robson as well in 1990. Yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the great nights in Turin. Um, yeah, no, listen, I think Gareth, Gareth, first of all, I worked with Gareth for a long time and he is a, I mean, you know, you would say this, but he is a top man. I mean, you know, brilliant team player, will stay in the bar with the production team and, you know, uh, uh, drink red wine, gossip about football. Great lad, you know, get mixes in there with everybody, knows everybody's name, would know Eddie the Soundman's name just as much as he'd known the executive's name. Yeah. A deeply popular bloke in, in, in TV production teams. 
Um, he'd get up in the morning and go for a go for a run down the river of whatever city he was in to cover a Champions League game, and yeah. we'd always go with the young lads or girls that wanted to go out for it. it was brilliantly accessible. Yeah, he's he was also um, he was he is also you know very clear minded in what he wanted to do, which was to play football in a certain way he had very he, 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 he was diligent he went and watched a lot of things he spent time with other coaches he read books he thought about you know his philosophy so it comes as absolutely no surprise to me that he's done extremely well um you know he did well with the younger age team at England and he knew I spoke to him at the time he knew that it was important to do well there yeah to to, to, to prove that he was to be trusted with with uh, the senior team, but also, so he, he had he had ambitions. Yeah, definitely, he definitely had ambitions. He's, he he really enjoyed media, definitely really enjoyed it. Um, uh, but he always harboured a strong ambition to return to coaching, and had very clear ideas about what he would try to achieve. And the best thing about him is he's incredibly honest and straightforward. So there would be no doubt in the minds of the players of what he wanted and what and what um and that he would be loyal to them and would be a top man to work for excellent would you have him at spurs um i'm not sure to be honest uh i think it's still unproven at club level uh if i'm if i'm really honest but i love what he's doing with the england team it's absolutely really, love it's it. Re- it's really strange that there's a disperception and that actually people will regularly run out all the big teams that he's failed to beat. You know, that that there's actually, he's got us as far as a, a World Cup semi-final. I mean, Bobby Robson is revered. Mm. And obviously, Robson had had the cup success with, with Ipswich. Ipswich were a very, very good team. And uh, and yet, there's, there's, there's definitely a school of thought that England aren't as good and Southgate isn't as good as as the general public think he is. Well, you know, I mean, how do you judge these things? The first thing to say is that, I mean, like you, during the Russia World Cup, I was actually working out there, but, you know, watching, I came back and watched the knockout stages from home. And the best thing about it was that the entire nation, for the first time in a long time, totally fell in love with the team again, wanted it to win, uh, didn't have any cynicism towards the players, believed that that we were going in the right direction, Mm -hmm. that we would play attractive, attacking football, um, and and you know to he achieved that. So regardless of whether we you know we should have won the semi final or whether we had a lucky mm. passage through the through the stages of the World Cup, it's almost irrelevant to me. The important thing is that you know bars from Newcastle to Croydon to Southampton to Burnley were packed full of people cheering and singing for England again, and yeah. that's a remarkable achievement after what had been some pretty depressing yeah, that's tournaments. A good, that's a good yeah, point about absolutely. the effects of the team's performances on the nation of fans rather than just who we're losing against. Yeah, I mean you can get caught up in the in the, in the, in the you know the tactical stuff, you know, do we are we successful enough against the big the big countries maybe not, you know, but that, that by the way he's not the first person to manage to lose to 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 top teams, yeah. you know, lots of people yeah. didn't manage to do that. But what he is the first person to do for a little while is to get everybody believing again and really thinking that by the way, you know, we go into the European Championships next summer as close to tournament favourites. That's a remarkable yeah. turnaround. And not one of those kind of silly British bookmakers, oh, England, England, England <laughs> yeah, kind yeah. of favourites. But genuine, you know, we can beat Spain, we can beat Germany, we can beat Portugal, we can beat France. Now, we don't start favourites against a number of those those countries, but we can beat them. 
Okay, thanks, Tony. Uh, Hunter, uh, just before we wrap up, the next issue, you've written a few pieces. Tell us a little bit about what's in it. So, yeah, next issue out uh, next Wednesday, uh, we've got a style icons section that has all of our style icons from a few years ago, plus who we consider to be the, the newest and freshest style icons currently playing football. And as a Spurs fan, who have you written about? So, as a Spurs fan, I've written about, of course, Hector Bellerin. Uh, <laughs> who... That's only just dawned on me that you volunteered yeah, to do well, an Yeah, I love what he player. does. I love what he's about. Um, he seems to divide sort of football on, uh, on uh, you know, we are, we are a nation divided at the moment and he sits straight in the middle of that. Um, and then on top of that, we also have a, a feature about Arsenal. Uh, looking at why why it's still <laughs> good to be an Arsenal fan, which I I've enjoyed quite a lot. Did you enjoy reading that? I, I enjoyed. Some, if you're I Ars- did enjoy reading it. This is coming from a Spurs fan. If you are an Arsenal fan and and you're listening to this because you're vaguely interested in Burnley, um, that do get it. It's a great issue. What I will say is the uh, you, it, it's funny, Tony. I, I mean, you guys just shut down for the summer, don't you? There's not a tournament on, but we've got to keep coming out. So we decided to fill this kind of weird gap between the, the, the pre-season and, uh, uh, and when the transfer window gets going and, the, and actually season starts, we're looking at the, the most stylish, best-dressed players. And uh, Obviously, most of the players at the moment are even in, in, in training kit or just on the beach. But um, we, we've got some cracking articles. The, the cover story, which I'm not going to name, I would put in the top 10 articles, maybe even the top five articles I have ever published it's fantastic it's written by a guy i feel like i can say this because i haven't written it uh i asked a guy called james horncastle who's italian football expert we use him regularly to just write an essay on this player i said you can do whatever you want and i was i was stood on the tube reading it on my phone when he sent it in uh, just laughing with delight like it was it's amazing so it is kind of like being the editor of a magazine. You kind of feel like you're just looking after something. You're looking after, and you you know you've got the opportunity to get people in to help make it better, or you know get for it to achieve its ambitions. Kind of get 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 real life into it. And and the and the front cover piece is is absolutely brilliant. That's the next issue. Uh, so look, guys, thank you very much. What are you what are you what are you what's the next thing you do right now after this? The next football related thing, Tony. Oh, blimey, football related is a bit tricky. So this afternoon I'm going to go and do something about the Rugby World Cup. Okay, football. We're making the titles. <laughs> uh, football. Is it Lineker and and Baker? Yeah, it might be. It might be, yeah. Pre-season. I mean, oh no, we'll do all the pre-season stuff yeah, for NBC. Yeah. So hopefully, we'll get to go around and see all the managers, see all the all the players, Excellent. and uh, film with them all again. Excellent. Well, look, good luck with that, uh, Hunter. As ever, great section in the magazine, the Mixer. Thanks for being on board. No the latest issue of Four Four Two is still out. We haven't talked about lionesses now because we don't know what's happened, mm. uh, but there is still a ten cracking ten-page feature in the issue and. I've got, a, I've got a bizarre thing to finish with. I bumped into them last week. Okay. Right, so this is a bit odd. Yes. So I went, flew down to Nice and... So to go- did these two, these, the producer, Connor, stayed in there and, and well. okay. Hunter. <laughs> so I flew down to Nice to have a meeting with Patrick Muratoglu, who is a tennis coach, most famously uh, of Serena Williams last decade. He's overseen a whole load yeah. of her Grand Slam wins. So I go and have a meeting with him to potentially do a documentary with them about trying to find the next Serena Williams, which I think would be yep. interesting and fun. He's got, he's got the current junior boy and girl world's best. Is he a Spanish coach or American? He's, he's French of oh, okay. Greek, French. Uh, Greek origins. Okay. 
um, and, and has done an incredible job. He's got 180 kids down there in his academy. Anyway, so while I'm there with him, and you know people say, oh yeah, he's Serena Williams' coach, and you think, oh, does that mean he meets her twice a year? Do you know what I mean? So while I'm with him chatting, he says, oh yeah, somebody's made turns. I turn around, Serena Williams is stood behind me, so I shake her hand, and she's got her baby in her arms. Okay. So, God, blimey, you know, this is proper, genuine stuff. Anyway, while we're sat there, Mike Tyson walked past Right. Okay. So I said, "What's this? Like you in Stella this Street? This is honest to God. In Stella Street. This is honest Sports to God. Stella Street. It all happened, and it's strange <laughs> and surreal." So I said, "What's Mike Tyson doing?" And he said, "Oh, his daughter's in the academy. His daughter's one of the oh, teenage okay. wow. girls. She's a fantastically able tennis player, and he's come down for a gala event and blah blah blah." And so Mike Tyson walks past. So I then go out to get a cab back to the airport, and Phil Neville walked in. I had no idea they were staying there, and the entire <laughs> massive, thing was a- massive drop off. <laughs> <laughs> So what an extraordinary hour I've just had, you know, from Serena to Mike Tyson to Phil Neville and the whole Lionesses. It was bizarre. Yeah. Did you get a picture of any of them? I didn't, mate, because that's the kind of thing you just can't do. Who's going to ask Mike Tyson for like a selfie in case you get him at the wrong moment? The guy had a tiger for a pet. Oh no, was that just in the film? (laughs) He had two. He had two. I mean, there was was one of my mates said... um, I think were they snow tigers or snow leopards or something? Yeah. But one of my one of my mates once said to me, "Who's going to tell Mike if they're not the right thing?" <laughs> when Mike Tyson was declared bankrupt, somebody said to me, "He said, uh, did he need the second snow tiger?" <laughs> <laughs> Listen, okay. Look, what I was saying was, you've got another week to buy the latest issue, and it's got a massive in-depth feature on on the uh, lionesses plus brilliant piece probably the best piece that that we've run certainly in the last four months I've been here by Andy Mitten. Um, with Maradona, where he, he went to Doradas and tracked him down. Uh, plus the amazing kidnapping of Al- Alfredo Di Stefano when he was the world's biggest player, late 50s, and Irving Welsh talking about Hibs and much, much more. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via Spotify and iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter at 442. I'm James James Brown. Hunter Godson. Tony Pastor. Until next time, goodbye. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.